Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. This is Danielle. Welcome. Hey, how y'all doing? Hope you have a good week. Um, yeah, holy shit guys. LA had a hurricane last week. It was kind of crazy. Not really. I'm from Chicago originally, so not to be like, I've been through worse weather. But like I have, okay? Chicago's like a shit storm of weather. So Hurricane Hillary, I love you girl. Love you Hillary Duff. But um, yeah, not too bad. Um, we had a little bit of an earthquake, unpredicted. Uh, I thought it was the wind. I literally thought the wind was like shaking the building like as it does sometimes. You know, have you ever lived in like an apartment building before? It happens, right? Uh, but no, it was in fact just a fucking earthquake happening. I was too high off my ass to like really care to acknowledge that's how I'm easing my anxieties during that time. And got me through it. Got me through it. Kept me safe. Kept a lot of people safe, I'm sure. So... Yeah, that's been my little week update. Um, talked about it with my therapist a little bit this morning, so that was fun and fresh. Everyone's safe. Every, everything's all sunny now and beautiful. Um, quick little update, guys. I have some bad news. Uh, about two episodes ago, I shared how I found a baby bird. Yeah, um, I did not save him because I didn't know how to pick him up and move him off the street. Um, so I just made the consecutive decision the executive decision, fuck, to leave it and hope mother nature takes its course and it's baby mama comes back. It's, or it's mama comes back. Excuse me. Um, but it didn't, she didn't come back because I realized he was part of the sidewalk today of the street. I thought he got saved because I went back to check on him that same day and he was gone. Like I didn't see any part of him. And I was like, Oh, thank God. I have no idea how the mama bird came and flew him back up to the nest, but I'm so happy she did. And it was a huge inspiration for that week's episode where I talk about narcissistic parenting and issues I have with my own mother and mommy issues and all that fun, fun jazz. And, um, yeah, the baby bird was not saved. He is in fact still part of the concrete. I think it's been like two weeks, two, three weeks since I, that episode came out. So RAP to that baby bird, but I just wanted to offer that update because it made me a little sad and I walked with my mouth on the ground. My jaw pretty much fell to the ground and I realized the baby bird was one with the street and it was not actually safe. And I'm pretty sure I probably did step on him a few times. He was really in there, guys. I'm not going to take a picture. Oh my God. It's so heartbreaking. But yeah, that's my update on the baby bird. Um only validated my fear more and I can't trust moms. I just can't. I've got too much of mommy issues and this was a life lesson from mom, mother nature that I can't let my guard down. It's gotta be up for defense on the run all the time. Um, okay. That's, that's it for my zoomies right now. I just want to share that. Um, but this week's episode guys still kind of talking about narcissistic parents a little bit, but I'm leaning into speaking patterns this time. And as I'm going through my own kind of journey, if you will, you know, I hate using that word, but whatever, my own little journey with mental health and healing and working on all that stuff, looking at little parts that I do in my day to day and kind of finally understanding that it has been tied to my upbringing and how my instinct is sort of hardwired to be on survival mode. When you're raised by narcissistic parents, it's not, it's like that's what your state is. That is your life is to survive. 
to survive the emotional, mental, maybe even physical abuse of the narcissist. And I heard recently on a TikTok too that when you're in a relationship, not like being raised, but in a relationship where your partner is a narcissist, that there is physical DNA and it shows in your brain chemistry that it fucks with how your brain is, like how your makeup is. And I was just like, damn, like, and, um, it was just kind of validating and explaining that's why you feel kind of crazy or dependent on this narcissistic person outside of the relationship or when that relationship ends. And this could happen over the course of like months, maybe a couple years, a year even. And just that condensed period of time with this narcissist, your brain chemistry changes to because you're being gaslit and you're being believed into this falsified truth. If you're not familiar with narcissism, it's the primary thing that you should understand about it is narcissistic people do not see themselves as wrong. They never view themselves as being wrong and therefore will always project blame onto another person, whether it be their partner, their children, their friends, whoever it is, they will project the blame or the negativity of the situation onto another instead of taking accountability for themselves and their own actions, essentially. So if you weren't raised this way and you kind of get into a a relationship, it's understandable how that does warp your mindset, whether you had a secure mindset or whatever you're working with before. Coming into this relationship with the narcissist, you're going to feel like you're made to be at fault. It's going to almost feel like you're an idiot, like you have a low intelligence, but it's really the narcissist who has this low emotional intelligence where they have the freedom, I guess, to view themselves as wrong and know that it's okay to be wrong. They're like, nope, I'm never wrong. Being wrong is bad. I'm not bad. I'm good. So therefore everyone else is wrong except me. And that's bullshit. And that's what fucks with good people who are like, okay, well, that wasn't really good of you to say or to do. Let's talk about it. And you're going to come back with like gaslighting or whatever. Not in all situations, but from my general, generalized definition, I guess I'm going to give that is what you need to know about this episode because I'm going to be talking about speaking patterns specifically in the way you talk with your narcissist and the way that you were brought up, maybe speaking to them and how that maybe shaped you as a child and how it kind of shows up in your adulthood. And when I heard that statement about being a relationship with that limited condensed period of time where your brain does have physical effects of that abusive relationship, It got me thinking to what happens when your brain is hardwired just to be gaslit and to be believed you're wrong and what kind of physical damages does that show up in your adult life from being such a young kid where your brain is more malleable and you are absorbent to this information like kids are literally sponges so everything you speak do in front of them they're gonna take that in and create their own reality to make sense of it. And having that black and white thinking of a narcissist and where the narcissist is always right and the other person is always wrong, the child is going to literally hardwire themselves to believe that their parent is always right and they will be wrong in every scenario because of this. So you're not really allowing this child to trust themselves and to trust their own decisions because they were never raised to. It's not like when you're an adult and maybe you did have a more secure parenting 
relationship going on where you had that love and support where you felt like you were validated and worthy of having these opinions. In contrast, being raised by narcissists, you don't. You are very limited to what you are allowed and not allowed to, or what you are allowed to think, believe, or be thought to be correct about yourself or about the world. Everything else is through the lens of the narcissist. And without their permission, you will be innately wrong. And it's that trust that the narcissist is right because you're a child and you don't know better. You don't know anything about the world. You're made to trust your parents, the people who are who brought you into the world, to raise you, to take care of you, to guide you, not tell you you're right or you're wrong and shape you to be who they want you or think you should be. They're meant to help create who you are meant to be for yourself, not for them. But narcissists do not get that. So diving into this topic now, one thing I want to go over really quick is having conversations with narcissists. It's not really like a two-way street where you're actually trying to converse with another person to reach some form of resolution. The in the in the experience I've had with both of my parents, both of my parents are narcissists, so when I was growing up and having these conversations with them and the viewpoint I felt or the stance I felt like I had in this dynamic was accountability versus accusatory. Being like the scapegoat of the family, which means I was always the one to be put blame on and made to feel like everything was my fault with everything wrong in the family dynamic. And I was very aware of the situation, although I knew everything wasn't me, like I knew things were putting being blamed towards me. I didn't really understand why. I knew it wasn't really true, but I got into this habit of something went wrong. I'm going to be at fault for this. Some fucking how. But I just like, that was like kind of something I just became normal to. And as I got older, I started to learn like what I'm actually taking accountability for versus what's just being blamed on me because I'm the one who's the most understanding. And I'm like, the in like being the oldest too is a huge fault, I think, for parents to kind of pulled you as a scapegoat over your younger siblings because age for some reason they think equals responsibility and therefore they think you could handle this sort of blame I guess but accountability is when you can hold yourself responsible to your own actions and behaviors versus accusatory where someone else is in a sense saying that you've done something wrong when you know you haven't and this is almost always the dynamic I've had with my parents because they're narcissists, and in their eyes, they are never truly at fault. So it's always gonna be flipped on me. And whenever I have conversations with them and in these situations, it was very clear to me that I they think I'm wrong no matter what. No matter what I say, no matter what I do. They could have literally watched my brother throw like a red paint all over the white wall and still looked at me and said, why did you make him do that? Why weren't you watching him? And flip it on me. So learning how to defend myself became my way to survive. It became the way I needed to protect myself, essentially, because I didn't want to get in trouble. I was trying to not be, I'm like, no, I'm not taking this shit for something I didn't even do. And we're kids. So it's like, what? And especially being a teenager, holy fucking shit. This is where I really started to like be more aware of the tactics I was doing. And these are just basic ways I've used to like try to defend myself. And as an adult, I, and even as I've started this podcast, I picked up little things. I'm like, well, why do I say it like that? And why do I say things like that? Or why don't I like talking about things like this? 
and just narrowing down the conversation, why, 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 until I start giving myself answers and understanding that the way I speak, it isn't because of there's something wrong with me or whatever that I feel incompetent to speak, but it's because I've been conditioned to defend myself in this way through speech being my only weapon, I guess you could say, my whole life. No, word, like words were my only way I could feel like an escape through writing, even in my alone time. But even through these conversations, it was, if you've been in like a very, in a narcissistic uh, relationship or an abusive relationship, it's very tiptoed, right? Especially being a child, you're very going to approach the situation carefully where it's not going to be loud. It's not going to be throwing anything or rash or anything. It's through your words, through your vocabulary. And that is the only way I was able to learn how to speak my piece. And speaking carefully is one of the points I have written down. Because speaking carefully to my narcissistic parent meant everything. Every word I spoke to them mattered. Every way and every phrase in which I spoke to them mattered. Because narcissists have a tendency to take your sentences and flip them around on you or take and pull words out of context and use them against you. So depending on how you structure your sentence, it can have an impact on the dynamic of the conversation or the way your narcissistic parent spins the conversation to reflect back on you. And one of the things that I think is very key is using words like saying always or never because those are easily definite. Where um, saying something like you always like you always have a Diet Coke on Wednesday or something where it's like, no, actually, I don't. I missed last Wednesday or it's something. It's a very literal situation like you don't always do this one thing, even if they do, they'll flip, find some way where they weren't always doing that situation and be like, well, I didn't do it this time. So therefore, you're wrong and flip it back on you. I'm trying to explain this in the best way I can. Um. But saying things like, oh, you always take his side, it can be taken out of context. And with that, the narcissist will flip it on you and say things like, no, I don't always take the side or, oh, I don't always say that. And it's very dismissive then because using words like always and never, it doesn't allow room for conversation to grow. It doesn't allow wiggle room, I guess you could say. And saying they're always doing this or this, it's deeming the narcissist as bad, which they are incapable of doing. So immediately using those words, you're like pigeonhole, you're pigeonholing them into saying that they are or are not this certain thing, which you can't do in the eyes of the narcissist, unless it's positive. But if you're fighting, it's probably not going to be positive, right? And you, and um, most of the time too, like we're kids in these situations. We didn't like for most of us, when we're trying to defend ourselves, when we're trying to be advocates for ourselves, and we're still learning how to be advocates for ourselves, it's kind of easy to fall into this mindset and falling into these vocabulary patterns because you're a kid. And when I was a kid, if something happened more than twice, it always happened. And if something didn't happen that I haven't experienced yet because I'm a child, it never happened. So using words like always and never are very common. And again, I'm going to say it, the narcissistic parent can't understand that because in their eyes, you are not a child trying to talk to your narcissistic, your parent and getting aggravated because they're not seeing your side. 
you are the child talking back to the parent. It doesn't matter if you don't understand what's happening. It doesn't matter if what happened isn't true or if there was a misunderstanding. It happened because the narcissist said it happened. And it's your job as the child to respect, quote unquote, I hate that word. I don't hate that word, but that was a word that was thrown around a lot as a kid. And I'm sure a lot of other people have that too, but. And when using words like never or always, it can be very definitive. And when you're speaking to the narcissistic parent, they can almost take this as an opportunity to humiliate you and to prove you, the child, wrong by taking that specific word and using a completely irrelevant example, removing it from the context in which you actually mean it by almost a way to flipping on you and be like, well, I don't always do this. See, this is an example of when I didn't always do this. That can have complete irrelevance to whatever the fuck it is that you are talking about in this moment, okay? So saying if you're like, if, so if you're in an argument and you say something like you always take his side when you're fighting with your parent, whether or not like your brother or not hit you or whatever the hell is going on. And your parent is going to take it out of the situation and be like, that's not true. Remember last week for dinner, I chose your dinner choice instead of his. Where this is a situation that had completely irrelevance to what is happening in the now. What the present moment, what the present disagreement is, this situation where your parents sided with you for dinner options has complete irrelevance. Then versus now does not matter. Dinner does not matter to the argument right now. It is being taken out of context and now you're being shown like, oh shit, like that did happen. And not having the vocabulary or the emotional intelligence to like fight it off because you're a kid. I'm gonna keep saying this because you are a child in these situations. Yes, you're an adult now. You have the adult decisions and the adult responsibility to take care of yourself and to hold yourself accountable for your emotions, your actions, and your behavior. When you were a child, you were still learning how to do this from your parents, who we can now look back on and understand they didn't hold themselves accountable or they could have done better with holding themselves accountable throughout little places in our childhood. But it has always been their decision to show us what that looks like and to demonstrate accountability in a healthy way and not to flip it and to shame us for where we didn't understand how to hold, be accountable or how to express that we were frustrated, but instead to be shamed that it doesn't matter. When you're frustrated, you're wrong and you're stupid because you use a poor choice of words. And in that situation where you kind of feel that fear, that confusion, that humiliation, it just shuts you up and that's what silences you. And it's in the silence is where the narcissist feels glorified and convinced that they were correct in. It's all, like they get validation that they were right when you stay quiet. When it's so fucked up because I'm looking back on this now and I started probably feeling this way when I was around six or seven, maybe a little bit younger even. But six or seven is really when I can kind of start remembering feeling this way. And thinking of like having like a six or seven year old girl feeling powerless, feeling so wrong and feeling shamed against a grown ass six something man and having these conversations and feeling like, oh, well, I guess I am wrong. I guess I am dumb and not being consoled like, no, this is just like what you needed to know about it to understand the situation better. You're not offered any further tools, any further guidance to know better to handle that situation better for the future. 
It's all on your shoulders. Your childhood shoulders. And we don't like feeling shamed. We're people. We like feeling good. We like feeling positive about ourselves and validated in our emotions. So we feel shamed like we've done something wrong. We internalize that. And we begin to overthink on our own actions the way we are perceived in the world. And that's going to have us growing up with feeling less like we could trust ourselves, which I talked about in my previous episode. But it also distances yourself from your own identity. And creating that internalized, well, I'm just innately wrong. It doesn't matter. If I don't know what's going on, I'm just too stupid and I don't know what's going on. And it's frustrating. And that's not fair for you to have, for children to feel growing up. Because it does manifest as adults. And even though, like I said, now we are adults, we are responsible for being accountable for how we are as humans in this little world. But that also means taking care of the younger version of you and making habits that you perform today and making aware that they may have been little insecurities or little, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? Instincts that you've picked up from childhood to defend yourself. These are habits that you picked up out of survival, not because you're weird or there's something wrong with you, but because there was something wrong with the dynamic in your upbringing. And because of that, you found ways to keep yourself feel safe or alive or just to get through the situation. It's not the right way to be. It's not the healthy way to live. It's the way you felt you had to live to survive. These were not being met for you. These needs were not being met for you. So you had to figure out how to live with, either live without them or how to get it from yourself. And it's that, that dependence on yourself without having really to know or ask for help where you, where I think like people pleasing and stuff like that can kind of pick up on, but I'll get that into a different episode. And the reason why I'm saying all this is the way you feel so shamed when you feel like you don't learn how to trust yourself, if you're not really acknowledging how to, that you weren't given the proper information. You start to shame yourself. You talk negatively about yourself. Especially in this economy, I think it's almost normalized where we feel this need that we have to humble ourselves to prove ourselves worthy. But we don't talk about how essential and how important it is to hype ourselves up and to talk kindly and positively to ourselves because we're always listening, especially as children. We all say kids are like sponge, sponges, and we're the same way. Our brains are always paying attention and listening to us. So be careful of the way you speak and be cautious of the way you speak. Speak kindly to you. That's what I always like to say. Even even something being like, oh, I'm so stupid. Don't say that. Just be like, you know what? Maybe I could have done that better or I did the best I can. Give yourself positive reassurance. Flip that switch, bitch. You earn it. All right. The next part I want to make is feeling the need to over-explain. With narcissists, like I said before, there's a lack of communication. And being a child, you quickly learn how to fill in these gaps of information with the narcissistic parent. Especially if you have a both, if both parents are narcissists, because it's not exactly you have one parent who is a narcissist and maybe one without, which I know is the situation for some, where that parent that has a more stable relationship can offer more explanation. With narcissists, if both of them are, you're not getting any information from either side. And if you are, you're getting a biased opinion because they're both narcissists, they both think they're the only one that can be right. So if there's a disagreement going on between both of the parents, their conflicting wrongs will never see eye to eye because they cannot 
hold themselves accountable or even see the opportunity where they could be wrong. So as a kid, this is where you kind of learn how to fill in those gaps of information or know what information you may need to back up your defense so you could show that there that you don't have a gap. Or for me, when I would like over explain, I'd say all the information I could at once. Like I would word vomit almost. I would word, word vomit because I just wanted to make sure I was giving all this information out. I told them every fucking thing because I was so afraid of being accused as manipulative or lying or being stupid. So over time, I just thought it was easiest if I could just say everything at once, every detail of what happened, everything I thought that was on my mind. And over time, that was how I tried to share information. But when you become, when you have a voice for yourself and you start speaking up for yourself to defend yourself, the narcissist is gonna turn around and try to silence you again and try to make you feel wrong. And over time, again, this has been my childhood, my hardwiring. I spoke faster and faster and faster and faster trying to get all the word words I possibly could out to defend myself on the situation to show that, okay, maybe I don't have all the information, but this is all the information I do have. What am I missing that maybe I'm not understanding about the conversation that we could talk about? And instead of communicating that, like that would be the healthy way to communicate it. You're never meant to be taught how to communicate that way. You're taught how to fill in holes. So instead of knowing how to communicate the question, you're just going to word vomit all the answers. And this can kind of come off as being like, you're over explaining things. And I feel this way. This showed up for me a lot when I was at work or even with my friends where I felt like I had to over explain the task I was doing or what the reason why I made a certain choice because I had this innate fear that I was being viewed as stupid or that I was less than that I didn't know everything. So I just figured, you know what, maybe if I just explain everything, they could tell me what I'm missing. And that was a way I could give myself validation on if I was doing enough, if I was doing everything on track and if I was, if everything I was doing seemed correct because I didn't, I was never taught how to ask questions about my job or about the task or I guess just like to just know that what I'm doing is enough as is and I have the right to ask questions. It's like I felt I already should have known the answers. So if there was anything more I could have done, I was hoping it would be implied based on me just over explaining the situation, which is very confusing. And I'm struggling trying to explain that to you guys. So let me know if that made sense to you. But pivoting over in addition to that, there's the reason why I think over explaining and talking fast can result from narcissistic parenting is because there's this need to be silenced, right? You're going to be proved as wrong one way or another. And it kind of just feels inevitable after a point with arguing with narcissists after a given period of time. You know that you will be wrong in their eyes no matter what. But there's something within you that says, but I'm right. It's like that advocacy for yourself where you're like, no. I deserve to be heard. I deserve to feel right. Like I'm worth that. Where time and time again, it's gonna flip on you and you're gonna be proved, shown as wrong or be the bad guy in this situation. So it feels like there's almost this race against the clock to get all of your information out on time, to have your narcissistic parent hear you out, to give out all the information you can to protect yourself, only to be inevitably shut down again. And it's extremely frustrating. 
And as a child, when you kind of go back in time, you kind of connect the dots to maybe where this started picking up for you. It's really important to understand and give yourself the validation that that wasn't the correct way to handle things and look at it from your perspective. What were you hoping to gain from your parent that wasn't happening? What did you need to do to protect the little you at that point, to protect yourself and to help you feel safe? And that's how you begin to heal that inner child of you, is looking at little you, looking at the pain that you were in, those survival coping mechanisms that you picked up over time, and give yourself validation that you weren't meant to survive this, that this wasn't the right way to happen. This isn't the right way for a child to feel or for a person to feel in general. Understanding that narcissistic abuse isn't normal is huge for me when I started to recover and kind of cope with this mentality. You're being gaslit into the reality of the narcissist. So when you feel wrong that you're talking about it in therapy or that you're wanting to seek help, it feels scary because you're going outside of what you believed your entire life, even innately. I didn't really view my parents as being always right or always wrong. Like I knew they were just incapable of seeing things their way, but it didn't really change the my concept of the world because of how controlling they were and of how gaslit I was into believing what their viewpoints of the world were. Reality is what our imagination limits us to be. And if our imagination only goes as so far as being right or wrong in the eyes of our parents over ourselves, we're holding ourselves as being the innate wrong. We're blaming ourselves. And it's almost being enforced by society that we have that right to, that it's almost humbling to be this way, to almost set yourself up for failure or look at the worst case scenario instead of turning it and looking on the bright side of things. What's the best outcome to this situation? What could happen? And talking yourself positively, hyping yourself up, focusing on what you have done right, what you can be doing. It's those little actions that we're not taught. And it feels crazy that when you're an adult, you almost do have to coddle yourself to get through this, to get through this period of pain, because it is temporary. Emotions are temporary. That's the good thing. Emotions are temporary. And the more you allow yourself to go through them, the quicker and the easier it takes for the most part. But if you haven't worked through your childhood shit, you're still blaming yourself and holding in the self-hate you're not gonna be able to let go of your past and you're not gonna be able to help move forward. Because to prioritize your mental health and to be better mentally, you have to
Anyways, that's gonna be it for this week's episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please give me a five-star rating and let me know what other topics you want me to talk about in these upcoming episodes. I'm gonna link my TikTok and Instagram below as well, so give me a follow on there. And send me an email if you wanna book a one-on-one coaching session with me. I do life coaching, so if you're kinda of ready to take that step and wanting to do something a little bit more of outside of therapy, or maybe this is your first step into working with your mental health and wanting to work on your inner child shit more and maybe deal with some of the things I talked about, please send me an email and we could start getting you on track today. I'm doing 15 minute consultations. Um, I also just want to give a quick preface um, I didn't do before, but um, I'm not a licensed counselor or therapist. I'm a life coach and I just share my tips and my explanation for the reason to why I think we think the way we do in being human, I guess you could say. Um, because parents fuck us up a lot and I don't think we, we, I think we put too much pressure on ourselves for what someone could have helped us better with as a kid. So we were all kids once. You can't be too hard on yourself and you all have the right to love yourself and to live a happy life. And it starts with doing the work, crying a shit ton about it. But I promise you, it does get better. And life goes so much beyond your childhood and your family and your upbringing. It seems dark. It seems suffocating. But the more work you do on yourself and the more you kind of learn to love yourself and fall in love with yourself, the better you start to feel and the more of a positive outlook you start to have on life. And that's coming for me. I used to work nine to five. I got burnt out, got fired. I've been through the ringer with this shit. And this is just some of the shit I've been learning because I've had this time to just reflect and marinate and rot with myself. And I just want to share it with more people because I think it can, I think a lot more people need to hear that. Maybe even if you don't have narcissistic parents, or you didn't have that kind of upbringing, everyone does deserve the right that they are worthy of loving themselves, that they are worthy of being and feeling loved. And if they're not getting that from another person, that they have every fucking right to say fuck everyone else and just give that kind of love to themselves. You are your only responsibility and no one else is your responsibility unless you have kids, of course. But that's going to be my two cents for this week, guys. Again, thank you for listening. Happy fucking Friday. I hope you have an amazing, fun, fun weekend. And that's going to be it. I love you all so much. Talk to you all next week. Bye.